Fantastic. So if you've been journeying with us for the last few weeks, you will know that we are in Lent and part of what we have been underlining these last few weeks is the word pause. It is a busy world out there. There is noise everywhere. There's always music going on. You can have it in your ears. It's always around shops. There's, there's always adverts. There are adverts everywhere and they're all grabbing your attention. They're always wanting to grab your attention. But Lent is a time where we get to pause, where we get to reflect and prepare. In a week's time, churches across the globe will be saying, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. But a lot happens between Palm Sunday, where we are today, and Easter Sunday. This week is known as Holy Week or Passion Week, and there is so much emotion when you read through Scripture of what Jesus goes through over this week. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. There's the cleansing of the temple where Hills um, explored that a few weeks ago, and there is so much betrayal And it starts with Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is recorded in each of the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that means it's important. All four writers wanted to put it in because it's so important. And what I would love for us to be thinking of as we go through these, these next few moments together is that if we let him if we hold fast and persevere, truly trust God, then Jesus shatters our expectations and assumptions. He wants to blow them out of the water. This is a kingdom mindset that he wants us to have. And what do I mean by that? Well, kingdom is what Jesus spoke about so often. And it can be a bit of a buzzword. It can be a word that we can sometimes use and sing without really understanding what it truly means. And the kingdom means where he is king. That area where he is able to rule and reign. And it breaks in. And it's a bit of a now and not yet where we get to see it in some areas. But there's a lot of brokenness still out there. It's a lot of brokenness for us. And the way that the Lord sees things with his perspective, we can lose sight of. So let's dig in. Let's open our Bibles. If you've got them on an app, then open it up. If you'd like to have it on a paper copy, I really do recommend having a paper copy. There are some on either side of the platform. Um, you remember more if you read it on paper. So I really recommend getting a Bible if you um, don't already have one. So it's Luke 19, verses 28 to 40. And um, Gareth read some of this earlier. We're going to read it again. Luke 19, 28 to 40. It's also going to come up on the screens as well. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead, with his, ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. 
untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and they found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers, for they are saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. How incredible is that? Thanks, James. That is wonderful. And you know what? Creation is wonderful, isn't it? I love this picture that um, is up. I don't know where it is, but it is absolutely beautiful. I love that that's our picture for this series. It's a wide open space. And I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling quite stressed, I like to go out into the middle of the countryside. That kind of gives me a bit of perspective. I find creation to be something so utterly beautiful because it reflects the heart of the creator. Last year, um, I had the incredible privilege of taking our New Wine Discipleship Year students to Kenya. And we had the privilege of having an afternoon where we went on a bit of a walk with a Maasai warrior. And now the Maasai warrior was showing us all these different plants and what each of them were used for by the Maasai tribe. And there was this one tree which we came to. And he got out his knife and he took off a twig. On the one end, he fashioned a spike. And on the other end, he took the bark off. And he started to chew it. And it was fibrous, so it started to go into a bit of a brush. And he started to brush his teeth with it. Now, we went to Kenya a couple of weeks ago, and I saw that a lot of the Kenyans go around chewing these sticks and brushing their teeth with it. Not only are these their form of toothbrushes, but this tree has naturally occurring fluoride in it. For hundreds of years, they've been using these sticks from these trees, and they have the best teeth. Seriously, they don't need Colgate. It is wonderful to see how God provides for us in these ways. And so much of creation provides for us exactly what we need. It has function. There's food, there's shelter, there's water. The purpose is practical and we can see why it's there. But then there's the extension, isn't there, of the joy of these things. I'm sure you can all think of a time where there was a beautiful sunset. It could have been here where you're looking across a car park. 
It could be absolutely anywhere. But God has painted this beautiful picture that we get to engage with, that reflects his glory, revealing the creator. And in those moments, it's really easy to worship. It's really easy to see it and get taken aback and think, oh, there's this bigger perspective. Tim Keller, who's a, an, he's an author, he's a church leader over in the States, and um, he's written incredible um, books. I definitely recommend them. There are a few on the back. Um, and he's written um, that you're glorifying something when you find it beautiful for what it is in itself. Its beauty compels you to adore it, to have your imagination captured by it. I don't know what it's like for you, but sometimes there are situations where I just don't understand what's going on. But I see a way that God could potentially work it. So I tell him, God, you could do this. Have you thought about this? I don't know whether you thought about it, but and I pray for it. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way, and it can really throw me, or Maybe I don't even know what's going on and I can't even think of a way to deal with it. It's really easy to limit God by our own understanding of what's going on around us. But God is so much bigger. We can really get wrapped up in our emotions and our feelings and our fears But having an injection of perspective can make all the difference. It helps us wake up to see who God is and what he's doing. And I think tonight he wants to remind us that he's far greater than we could ever imagine. There is so much going on in this passage One of the things that crops up is that there's a prophecy back in Zechariah 9, verse 9. You see, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies whilst he was here. And Zechariah 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you! He is righteous, victorious. Yeah, he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus came along. Does it sound familiar? So there are three aspects there I really want to draw out in this passage. Jesus is humble. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He rides in, not on a war horse, not declaring war. That's drawing attention to him. It's it's not any of that. He instead rides in on a young donkey. One that's never been ridden, so the only rider would be Jesus. Precious King Jesus. Back at the start of his life, he came as a baby. He came as a vulnerable baby who needed his parents to feed him. 
This is a donkey, a young donkey. There's no pomp and ceremony that he is mustering up. There's no choir going alongside him, singing in four-part harmony with trumpets bellowing. He knows who he is. He doesn't apologize for it. But he's on the back of a donkey. He's saying, I come in peace. Second thing is that Jesus is victorious. He's king. He's coming, making that claim. You can sense the excitement. You can sense it because they knew their Old Testament. They knew that um, the prophecy said that he would be riding in on a donkey. So the tension, the excitement would have been so high. They were shouting, Hosanna, save us. They're directly quoting Psalm 118 when they praise him. And they roll out palm branches on the floor. It's like the rolling out of a red carpet. It's a sign of victory. That's what palm branches represent, victory. And this, this moment of him uh, parading in is is the trailer for the eternal Palm Sunday that's to come. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation, a guy called John gets given a vision. And if you look at chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is amazing. This is on a big scale and this is to come. This is a trailer of an eternal Palm Sunday. The first two, the fact that he is humble and he is victorious, he's king, these are really important. They show his character, they show his position, but there was also a purpose in amongst those three. A purpose for him traveling to Jerusalem Verse 31, he's the Lord who needs a donkey. He's a king who on Friday becomes a king on a cross. Jesus is righteous. Righteous means to literally be right in God's sight, to be clean blameless in his eyes. It's a clean slate. Jesus was perfect. He lived a perfect life. He's fully God. We're not, though. We're not righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. There's nothing we can do to earn that. No matter how much we try, no matter how much we do, it's just not enough. But Jesus was righteous. 
And this third one is vital for us. Good Friday needed to happen. Easter Saturday needed to happen. Easter Sunday needed to happen. Earlier in his ministry, back a few chapters in Luke, Jesus says to his disciples that he must suffer many terrible things. He predicted his death so many times and so many things about his death as well. His disciples didn't understand. They didn't understand that cost. And here, people clearly didn't understand on Palm Sunday the cost that this was going to have. But Easter weekend is no accident. It wasn't something that just occurred when Jesus was here. This was a decision Jesus made because he wanted to come and free us and save us. He wanted that for us. It talks in Hebrews about the fact that he saw the joy that was beyond the cross. God planned this out of intimate, infinite love for us. He wanted us to have life to the full, a life never separated from God. But Jesus had, so Jesus had the victory over sin, over death, so that we too can then become righteous in God's eyes. We are clean. He looks on us as we look on Jesus. That's his invitation to us. He wants us to come into relationship with him in this way. And so often we can get caught up in what we see. The disciples and all the people around saw all these signs coming together. They got excited and they got really pumped. This is it. This is the Messiah. Yes, praise God. This is amazing. Yeah, give it a few days. And those cries are turned to crucify him. We can be so fickle. We can say, I trust you, and then moments later, take that back. I wonder whether you have ever trusted something to God, only to then take it back when we don't get the answer quickly enough or in the way you expect it to come. In the passage, they expected Jesus to do things the way they assumed he would. They knew that they needed to be saved. That's why they were, they were proclaiming, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. But they missed the cost. You see, God is God. We aren't. All through scripture, you see that God doesn't do things in the way that we expect. All the way through. When you look at David and Saul, Saul was the king and he looked like a king. The next king didn't look like a king. This is David and Goliath. This is a tiny boy who was, who was being called up to a big calling. Jesus uses weakness to show his power. 
And the weakness in the cross shows his power so gloriously. You see, his perspective is so different to ours. We're so limited in what we see day to day. And if we let him, if we ask him for his perspective, he can shatter our expectations. How much freer would we be if we lived trusting him? As I was preparing... I found out about peacock feathers. Stick with me, please. Um, So here are some peacock feathers. Um, Scientists have done an awful lot of research into peacock feathers, and they found that the pigment in in them, the colour, the actual natural colour, is brown. Brown. The way that this is structured means that when light bounces off it, you get iridescence. So as you move the feather, you see things differently. You see colour. It bursts into life. It transforms it. It's no longer brown. It's stunningly beautiful. God is God. We are not. When we see things with his eyes, in his light, things transform. We don't always understand it. I don't understand how that works particularly, but I know that it's the light that changes it. I think his call to us is to spend time in his presence, asking for his perspective. Choosing patience, choosing to trust despite not understanding what's going on. Choosing to trust despite the unknown. And choosing to trust means to daily reset. Hourly reset. Sometimes minute by minute we need to. It may be that putting a reminder on your phone to pray. Setting the background on your phone as a, as a Bible verse or whatever it is for you, he may be calling you to. But what I know he's calling you to is a greater intimacy with him because he wants that. He wants to know you more and more. But he wants us to know him more and more too. And it's this kingdom mindset where we get to see through his eyes, his, by his light, that's actually the right way up. We often think, oh Lord, you're doing things differently. But actually, he's doing things the way he's always done them. We're just the ones with the perspective the wrong way. So instead of, in, instead of expecting or assuming God to do things in a certain way, let's be expectant for what God's going to do. Let's be expectant that he's already working. Let's, in the words of C.S. Lewis, look for Christ because we will find him and with him everything else thrown in. God is good. He is faithful and he has so much for us. 
we're going to move into communion in just a moment. Communion as part of a response to this, as part of a response to knowing that God is righteous, that he has taken on everything, everything that we have done wrong, where we've put other people above God, where we have given him things and taken things back, where we've put ourselves first. We get to put them at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And we get to partake as part of this meal in what he has done for us. We get to worship in this way and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to do together. So can I pray? Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming, Lord. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for your character. Lord, you are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. And Father, we're sorry where we put ourselves first. We're sorry where we give in to fear. Lord, we want to proclaim that you are God, we are not. Would you help us, Lord? Thank you for saving us. Amen.